You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello. all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Welcome to the Challenge USA 2 wrap-up podcast for the premiere. I am Brian Cohn. With me, as always, is my co-host, Alice. You're Allie. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I just wanted to get a clap in. Inside joke. Uh, but what's not inside, Brian? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, Rusty Start, and I don't mean the guy in the show, but it's it, I have to blame... This extreme yachts we've had, besides the preview podcast with the great Rob Sesternino, our last podcast, do you know when our last challenge podcast came out from War, uh, World Championship? I think it was middle of May, right? So like around May oh. 15th, May 20th, May 10th. Sounds so exciting. Yeah, May 17th. For my, if my life depended on it, I wouldn't have been able to come up with even the month. Yeah, well, I totally forgot that season existed because we started off the the preview podcast with the great Rob. He was asking, oh, what was the last challenge season? And it took us 50 minutes into that podcast to remember that the, the conclusion of all the Challenge USAs were, was the last season. So um, that kind of you know, fell by the wayside. But yes, that was the last season we did podcast about. And now here we are with Challenge USA, too. Yeah, uh, one actually uh, item, another item of old business uh, in reference to the preview podcast we did, which it's funny. I feel like we, we have very little consistency in the last 100 years of podcasting we've been doing mm-hmm. on whether we do a preview podcast or we don't. Um, I do. I think the best preview podcasts were like the are you the one days yes, where we were like reviewing LinkedIn and the, the <laughs> head I had like full color printouts. That's called living at home. Full color printouts of everyone's cast photos. Well, that was the only those were the only season we would preview people. We had absolutely no idea who they were here. At least, you know, what's there a preview about like, you know, Josh and bananas and Wes? Like we've been in these people's lives for a long time now. Yeah, but I feel like I said more accurate and interesting things about the people (laughs) I didn't know than I do about this cast. But anyway, so usually, I mean, for any new viewers to the challenge CBS or the challenge 
in general. Maybe you saw the first season of CBS. Welcome. Uh, but as you've seen tonight, the first episode is really the preview where we find out the format, sort of. We get introduced to the contestants and not much advances plot-wise here. Spoiler, we didn't even get an elimination in the mm-hmm. first part of the preview here or the premiere. But um, going back to something we said on the preview is I asked Rob to speculate about how difficult it was to cast this season based on the feedback from some disgruntled players from season one. And apparently Alex wrote into us. Thank you, Alex, uh, with some inside information. Mm. If you want to write into us with questions or insider information or whatever, uh, you can go to the Google doc, which is linked in my Twitter and, mine as well. and Brian's at Cohen, Brian underscore at last tweets. I'm thinking of setting up. Do you think we should set up an inbox? Like a, a Gmail? I'm going to set a Google Mail. I love it. Let's do it. I love that do idea. You, do you think the Google Docs is a little like I'm inspired by uh, Av and Chester who do a Friends recap podcast now of like having more ways to reach out. We've really limited the scope in the Google Doc, which I don't dislike. Hey, should we set up Doing a voicemail too? Let's have a voicemail no. episode. Let's, let's go to the whole, the whole, whole tiny yards. Whole tiny yards here. Spoiler alert. Technology-wise, Brian couldn't log into the StreamYard, so we're using uh, other equipment. And I had a Mac-compatible microphone that I couldn't get to work, so assumed it wasn't compatible and returned it. So we're not really tech-savvy enough to have a voicemail. (laughs) We would play videos from our phone and put it up to the microphone. That's how we used to play YouTube clips. Not that we play them now. If you wanted Google Mail... If you want a dedicated Gmail for challenge feedback and questions, please go to the pin tweet at last sheets or go and write underscore and write submit <laughs> something through the Google Doc and let us know. Anyway, Alex says there was some speculation on the cast preview as to how exactly ended up with, how we exactly ended up with this cast. And Allie, you were wondering if reaction from last season had any impact. Scuttlebutt from the streets is that casting struggled in all caps. In their recruitment efforts this season, with many, many people turning them down. A combination of lowballing for payments and the terrible reviews from last season's contestants seem to have steered away the quote top tier CBS talent who want nothing to do with the challenge now. I mean, that totally makes sense based off the result of some of the people on this season and how last season went. So that certainly checks out with the, the vibes that we thought was going to be prevailing over the season. Yeah. And I do think like, while we have very interesting survivor and big brother picks, I don't think anybody would say we have like the top echelon of folks. And a lot of those people are padded with really challenge veterans in Josh mm-hmm. and Fessel and Polly. So uh, it, it does, it does make sense. Yeah, but you know what? This is the cast we have, and I was into it. I thought they uh, it was a fun, fun group. I think it, it's, it could be a, an interesting dynamic with so many people that have never done the show before mixed in with people that have done it, and a third group that have, like, in that, like, weird limbo of the CBS world, but also crossed over to the MTV world. So I think it's, a, it's an interesting setup that they have here, and, you know, you laid out they have the format. We didn't really know anything about the format. Definitely not how the voting structure would go in our preview with Rob. So we got a good amount of information about how this season um, would uh, is going to play out. Yeah, we can hop right into it. Mm. But um, 
I want to throw a small flag, more like a kerchief. Well, that's bigger, I guess, than a flag you'd throw. I want to throw um, like a swatch a new knitter might make, and then they give up like a very small piece of fabric on the season that I'm a little bit concerned. I think we probably previewed this in the preview podcast, but who can remember what happened a couple weeks ago? I do think at least the way the first episode went and the way that challenge proper seasons have gone in the past, having, and the way that the world championship kind of went or could have gone, having these big veterans who, whether or not the cast necessarily respects them, or it's not necessarily like, Boston Rob's dropped in or fans versus favorites where you have like all of these survivor greats and the fans are just like ready to play their game, but they're just, these challenge veterans are so far like ahead of everyone in terms of playing the challenge. Of course they are, they do it professionally and they're so good at it that I do worry it could just get dominated by like veteran strategy. Yeah, it definitely could. That's probably the most likely scenario in how these things play out. I do think this this format, which I do definitely won't want to discuss and like think through like how this could play out if it's like a good. I haven't even decided if I like it that much, but I so I'm excited to like talk it through. But I think my gut says the way this format is going to play out, it does allow um, people to take a little bit more chances and throw things more up in the air that maybe you know. A bananas or a Wes or a John A or a Tori can get hit with a, a shot that they wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to get hit with on a normal season. So that is what I'm open. Uh, I'm hoping happens as well as I, I think we've got a lot of different people saying they don't want the vets to kind of take over and steamroll, which we don't. I know we sometimes get that early on, but I think there was enough different people saying it that I feel like we could have that little bit of revolt. Uh, much earlier than than later. So I think there's reasons to be optimistic that it's not just going to be the the six vets kind of steamrolling uh, everyone, uh, at least early on. Maybe in the early on it will, and then, you know, a few episodes in, I think people will start taking their shots. And, and it's, you know, I, I was tempted just thinking now to say, like, okay, and if it were just really two vets per team, as we'll talk about, fine. But the fact that there's Josh and Fessel and Paul and Michelle and these people who who aren't billed as vets but are vets but in the winning team's deliberation we only have two veterans at the challenge and they still make it work so if they can overcome a four to two deficit then who's to blame for that i don't know all right let's so why don't you set up what we learned about uh the the format and the various mechanisms for the season so the first thing we learned, we knew based off the cast photo that there's going to be three teams. We didn't know how that was going to happen. Um, and TJ brings out the newest toy for the season. Last season was the fancy light up board algorithm. This season, it is the uh, lottery ping pong ball hopper that it's going to be uh, doing a lot of different things throughout the season. So first thing was spitting out three team captains, uh, landed on Josh, Cassidy and Desi. And those three picked uh their teams so we got to have an old school uh draft this you know fully play out i thought maybe like you pick a person that person picks the next person but here no josh cassidy and desi picked all uh other seven members of their eight person team and we got to see a full draft play out that was like the first big revelation of how the season structure was going to play out what did you think of the draft not just the the like schoolyard pick style but the fact that like 
nothing had occurred, no challenge, no demonstration of skill, no uh, dossier on the contestant, all really based on pre-existing relationships, what you might have seen on their show, or more accurately, pre-gaming that the cast openly discussed on the show. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't do like a full, you know, uh, combine of, you know, a stupid challenge and seeing because a one-off thing is not going to impact thing. That would just delay the inevitable. If they wanted to do that as an episode zero Paramount Plus exclusive, sure, make that a a fun little thing. But for an actual episode premiere, I don't think we needed that. I think the audience and the people here are familiar enough with most of these people to begin with anyway that that would have just been a waste of time. So I'm kind of glad we just like jumped right into it and did a draft and, you know, scattered it uh, a little bit more randomly. I did think one of the interesting things that TJ dropped at the end of it, which I think played a, a big part in how these teams uh, were drafted was the fact that he said near the end, Oh, like the two challenge vets need to be on each team. And I kind of force fed some of the last pick. So I do think that boxed some of the, the, the captains into some of their picks where I think people might be questioning what, why people were doing certain things. I think some things were decided for them that they didn't really have a chance to kind of make a decision on their, on their own. Yeah. It almost favors, I think Josh, I also think they had to pick um, based on gender, like every other. Yes. That, which I figured things. that, I mean, that's yeah. kind of, yeah, that's like a fair way to do it for sure. But so if you're, I guess I'm going to say it's favor Josh, because to me, honestly, the only person I think that would be an obvious that, a detriment to your team is Amanda, mm-hmm. except if the strategy is to have someone on your team that other people will target before you, um, which is a valid strategy. I don't think that was like Desi's strategy necessarily, or at least that wasn't communicated um, in confessionals. But by Josh being able to pick one of the female vets getting first pick of the the, the women veterans, that's, I think, a huge advantage when pretty much all three of the men are totally not replacement level but like mm-hmm. fine picks yeah and then because cassie and desi pick Corey and west like again i don't maybe they would hold this up front and he knew this but it was revealed at the end like bananas just had to be on his team so it, it was like surprise like kept going through all the names it was like like did bananas not get picked yet? this is very odd like and then it makes sense like oh well why would you pick him you know he's have to be on your team it gives you a chance to pick some of the other men first i mean i don't know why he maybe landed on like dusty in that certain spot um but you know <laughs> it, it did allow him flexibility to pick other men before bananas was going to be force fed to him on his team yeah um but let's let's talk about the hopper you know as you said from the people who brought us the algorithm comes uh you know if you, if you were sus about the algorithm <laughs> i beg you to not be sus about the hopper um my, i agree i don't need a combine of all of these people I do not like the captains have been randomly selected via the hopper. Yeah, I was I was surprised it wasn't just the challengers making the picks like that would have been like an easy like the challengers have already been paired together, the man, the woman, and they're the ones picking amongst this group. I thought that was what my expectation was, but I didn't have a problem with the hopper and I'm honestly less skeptical with the hopper. I feel like the algorithm is much easier if you really wanted to rig it and, and manipulate it. I feel like if you're popping a ball out of a random thing in front of everyone, I feel like that's pretty transparent. I got, unless the cast is all in on some grand scheme to you know screw over themselves in a certain point. I think that's a lot more transparent than a light up little machine that could, you know, fiddle that behind the scenes and, and you know, mess things up. Well, I don't believe this, but it's not like we saw the entire cast, like all the balls lined up 
with everyone's name and sure. then we roll them into the machine. They were just like, all your names are in here. I don't even know that they <laughs> said that. They were just like, we're pulling three names out of this machine. Sure. Um, and, and like the names couldn't be written any smaller. The first name we never even see. He doesn't hold up the ball. Right. So it's like, again, I don't know why they would rig this. I don't have any reason to believe they would rig it. I'm not saying they're rigging it. I just think random chance, like I'd rather them rig it than random chance. Like I'd rather be like production has determined that these three people will pick teams. <laughs> right. And then production has determined that these, this person is into elimination, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm putting my tinfoil hat way to the side on the hopper. Uh, I'm going full steam ahead that the balls are all uh, clean and, and pure. Yeah, again, my my issue is not rigging. My issue is Mm -hmm. that it's random. And I get it that it's projecting what will be a a less concerning, more interesting, debatable twist for me that of the votes, it's sort of random chance of who goes in, but it's not totally random chance because the the hopper is allegedly filled with the votes. I love how how surprised TJ was to read Cassidy's name. Maybe he thought something was going to be rigged. He's like, why is Cassidy a captain? This is odd. Uh, The second person is Cassidy. He was like very surprised by the the random pick. I I was taken aback by that. What I wish would have happened um, in response to you saying you thought it was going to be like a pair, a co-ed pair of vets and then they pick. I wouldn't want that because I wouldn't, again, I, I would want anything done. I wouldn't want anything done to like make it, seem even more like the veterans have mm-hmm. control over things sure. like, oh, sure. Bananas and Tori picked you for their team. Like yep. now it's team Bananas and Tori. But what about schoolyard pick with and the vets still haven't arrived? Then you run a challenge with three teams of four and mm. the winner and the second, like winner gets first pick of the vets and then the next team and then the next team. That's not bad. It would be three teams of six. I think it's each team has eight, but uh what did I say? Four? Yeah. But yes. Oh, wow. But I, I left I, two I, people I, off the blue team. I do, I, I do think that that would be pretty interesting because I think, didn't they do very similar to that in World of Worlds? Like, how did they, I'm trying to remember how they decided who got CT and Turbo. I thought they did it based off like whoever won that challenge. They they got the pick um, who if they wanted CT or Turbo on their team. And I think there was also a man and, a, and two other women too. But I think that's how they did that one as well. So that, that could have been fun to to implement as well. Sorry, I shut down when you said, is that how they did it on? Um, yeah, don't know. Um, but, like, anything jump out from the intros before we get to the teens that you want to shout out? I mean, we already introduced these people flawlessly on the preview podcast. No, but the two things, uh, Paulie gets the first first intro. That was, you know, not surprising because, I, I, again, I do think he's going to be this, one of the big stars of this show. That's, that was what I thought with Rob, and I, I still feel that way. There's no reason not to feel that way. So he was like, boom, right in your face. Paulie's back. And then the other thing, I didn't realize how women dom- or women skewed the Survivor crop is, that it's just Seabass and Chris, and then it's like six women from Survivor. I didn't realize the, the male-female ratio from that show. So that's going to be pretty interesting, I think, how that plays out when it gets more specific towards the end and you're finding out about who you want in a final man versus woman. So I think that's going to be interesting because I, I did, that didn't dawn on me as we were going through the cast, uh, how many more women survivor players there are. Well, I mean, where is it made up? I guess in the amazing race being two men, two, ma- yeah, two, big two brother has men, two more, more men. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five versus one, two, three, four. So three extra men picked up between big brother and amazing race. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it also stands out more potentially with Survivor now because with Big Brother, again, like three of the men are really, you could confuse with being challenge vets. So it's like, doesn't feel as like male heavy, probably. Um, yeah, Polly definitely had, I think, the, the leading role here. And like, for good reason, like Polly does tell the story in a charismatic, entertaining way. He's also, I mean, what the hell is he wearing? Like, he's just a cartoon, you know? He's wearing short shorts and what I assume and hope is a faux fur Viking outfit. I don't know. Like, he looks definitely not dressed for a yacht. Like, you got to be sweating under that. Right. I mean, we had the confessional of Michelle being like, she wants to prove herself. I thought we would get the confessional of Pauly being like, I want to prove myself, considering I almost, like, died on the field last time I was in a final, not, you know talking about how many wins he's had and all this. Like he's, he's had two of the more disastrous exits in, you know, challenge history in his time. I thought that would be more the story, not just how he's, you know, won some meaningless dailies. I thought that would be more of his pitch, but you know, that's not, you know, Paulie's ego talking. So. Yeah. You don't, you don't live your life as a Polly and then like have thoughtful reflection on your failures. Right. You People wearing that outfit are not talking yeah, about exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> But it actually did gag me that he has 20 daily wins to the point where I was like, I have to check that. And according to the challenge.fandom.com slash wiki slash poly underscore Calafiori, he does have 20 daily wins. But then when I counted the wins, it's very wiki charts are so confusing with like a thousand colors and wins. I, I don't know. 20 daily wins. Even a part as a part of team challenges on three challenges, pretty impressive. It's very impressive. It definitely is a little skewed because he was on that season of World of Worlds where like the challenge team, I think, won like eleven of the twelve dailies. Of course, that's like the one season Nelson wasn't on and he couldn't rack up those wins. But like that was like the one season they like dominated every single week and he was on that season, made it all the way to the end. So it skews it a little bit, but he has been very good. On every season he's on up until the very, very end when things go disastrously wrong for him. Yeah, well, that's because I can't read the chart because that, you know, when he was Team USA for that War of the Worlds 2, it says like safe win, safe, safe win, safe, safe win. So did he have four elimination? Like, I I don't know. Get Whatever. <laughs> Kudos. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, so that is impressive, despite um, his less than stellar. Uh, I was going to say exits, but also personal <laughs> explosions. Uh, that did get teased, like where he stands with bananas slash Josh slash some other people in the house. What did mm-hmm. you think of Josh's move to pick Polly uh, first for the men on his team? I actually thought it was a smart move because I I think I think he's right in his sentiment of like keep your enemies close in this situation, uh, especially in a t- in like a three team structure where if he was on another team it's very easy to see Paulie rallying the troops to go after Josh. I think it's allowing Josh to kind of create the narrative that Paulie's going to have to lean into of working together for at least in the short term. So I actually did think this was the smarter pick, and I love that he picked John A first also uh, overall. So I thought. I mean, I know it, it is like Team Red Flag a little bit, how they were talking about with a lot of the bubbling personalities, but I don't know exactly where I would have went differently too much with uh, his draft. Yeah, this is where I wish I knew how much they knew about the format when they were picking, because I agree. I think Josh picking Polly and frankly Bananas for his team or, or knowing he'd get left with, I guess he didn't know he'd get left with Bananas. Um, 
sort of being agnostic, I guess, to what mail that he ended up with. Um, mm-hmm. Are they? No, sorry, they got picked first, second overall. Ignore me. Anyway, um, like it could, it ends up working out at least for now, flawlessly for Josh that Pauly would have to choose to hurt his own team to get rid of Josh because being a man down, a, a person down is a detriment unless they're truly a thorn in your team's side, which I don't think Josh is generally. Um, But could this have happened where like there's one team that will lose like on Survivor where there's two winners and one loser and then you've got to nominate someone from your own team to go in and then you put an enemy on your own team. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's just as intelligent because then you have somebody you can easily nominate and you think you have the rest of the numbers because Pauly's kind of coming in with a lot of weak relationships and strained relationships and Josh isn't. So maybe it is just like worth the risk to have him on the team. Yeah. And I kind of mocked it in the beginning, but honestly picking Dusty's good for probably that exact reason where if he's thinking there's good, like men day, women days, like it's probably good to have one of the two amazing race people on your team as uh, a sacrificial land that you could probably toss in that won't get a lot of blood on a lot of your other team's hands. That's an easy uh, an easy pick, especially in an early part of a game, if they happen to lose. So I think even that pick, you know, maybe you, like Tyler would have been like a, a better competitor potentially on your team, but it might be a little bit harder to, to get the troops to, to vote for Tyler as opposed to voting for for Dusty. Yeah, uh, let's talk about Dusty a little bit more because while we didn't see much from Lewis or Dusty, uh, what I saw from Dusty, I did like because he's giving you Nelly T. He's giving you like. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan. I've waited for this my whole life. A reverence for the game, which we love to see here. But, and this is me, like, just nitpicking something very small. Or picking, what's what's good nitpicking? Um, Good nitpicking. I don't know. Um, Raising up? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a good nitpick. I'm just finding a diamond in the rough in a nitpicky, but positive way. Um, Like, he wants to be on Desi's team and he's next to Desi. And when Des- Desi gets picked as captain, he sort of inexplicably, like, I don't know that he has any, we have any reason to believe he's close enough to Desi, but he's like, my girl. Yes. Yes. Like he's playing the game when he has no room to play to like, try to get picked on her team. It doesn't work, but mm-hmm. I like where his head's at. Yeah. You know, we see people do a lot of different things in drafts. We've seen people like hide, not make eye contact, really make eye contact. So, you know, being a cheerleader is, is a route you can go as well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else from the, the previous before we get to uh, making the teams. I mean, there were some things where they're like, I'm known for this or I'm known for that. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I get it. They have to sort of digest their little like intro right. into some like, sound bite, but like when TJ pr- like says that the whole season will be around like risk takers and they're like, Oh yeah, Chris Underwood, I am most known for giving up immunity. And that was so, so risky. And in a way, did he like have a lasting impact on survivor in the new fire making era because of that? Sure. But mm-hmm. no one would say he's most known for that. He's most known for getting voted out and coming back yeah. to win. And I know that was part of it, but I was just like, that felt a little I didn't love that. I, mean, I know this wasn't in the intro, but later Chanel said, like, I'm most known for being a risk taker. I'm definitely gonna need to see the receipt of that. I don't remember what she did that was super risk taking, but I mean, gotta spin the spin the story. 
Number two on my list of things that didn't make sense to me in the intro, yeah. agree. And number three was Sebastian saying like, I'm tired of being known as a sick, or he's like, I'm not just a sixth place finisher that almost won Survivor. <laughs> it's like, yeah, again, I need to see the receipts of how close Seabass was to winning. I don't think very close, but sure, everyone's the hero in their own story. So he was very close to winning. I'm not known as the 50th most popular podcast <laughs> on Rob Has a Podcast who almost like was selected as the best podcaster. Right. Like, I don't, like, I don't understand. <laughs> So close. I almost won that sequester game of RHAP people. I was so close. I was like fifth out, but I was like yeah. so close. <laughs> oh, somewhere Rick, Cowboy Rick is like, I'm not just the fifth, like the fifth place survivor player who almost won. I mean, Seabass almost won as compared to him, me and you. So kudos to him for that. Right. Well, I mean, look, if Seabass, I would say Seabass was like, in my head, Seabass, before this cast was announced, Seabass was closer to winning Survivor than he was to being cast on the challenge. And he got cast on the challenge. So, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a second chance for Seabass. He's actually going to go in. I'm standing here as the only person stumping for Seabass. Like, <laughs> well, you I and Rob are both very be... low on him in the preview. And I'm like, he, anybody who gets into a showman's on Survivor or like shortly after with a Survivor person, and is known for that. Like, that's what mm-hmm. he's most known for. And at least in my eyes, at least, like know, that is someone who needs to get dropped immediately onto serve onto the challenge. Like if you can form a hookup smelly 30 days into survivor, get on the challenge immediately. Mm-hmm. Someone who definitely, I don't think has watched the challenge Cassidy, the, the, the real questionable pick here, um, taking Corey over Wes or even bananas. I don't know the the full logic and I would need like if she had the full playbook about who these people are, I don't think she makes that decision. I think Corey's like that perfect example of like you look at him, he's like, oh, this guy has to be really good at all of these things. And he's typically not. So it's surprising to see her pick Corey first. No shade to Corey, but that was surprising. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a surprise to Corey, which is why he mm-hmm. like showboats and it comes off right. well. because It's funny because we all agree. We all like he should take that moment and rub it in their face because it's shocking. Um, I think Corey, you know, if she's seen the season, the pitch for Corey, right, is like he is the consummate team player. Like he's a great he he's very trustworthy, certainly more trustworthy than Bananas and Wes. Mm-hmm. And like if you have an alliance with him, he will ride for you. Um, and he's just like a supportive team member. Is he the most physically dominant of the three male vets? Not, nope, <laughs> like nope. absolutely not. So it was puzzling, but Cassidy justifying it by being like, he's strong and I don't have to deal with the egos is like, maybe that is a good mm-hmm. pick when it comes to trying to not get bullied by the vets on your team. Unfortunately, Tori and Corey play her like a fiddle, depending on what right. her goals are. But I guess if she wants to have sort of a say on the team, maybe Corey is the best pick. Yeah, th- that was the only logic that I thought did make sense of uh, keeping the Eagles at bay. But then when you have yeah Tori and Fessy, then that kind of goes out the window. So, but we'll see. I mean, they look. They obviously no uh, spoiler. They won the challenge, so if something went right. But that was just a little bit surprising. But other than that, I don't think there was anything else too. Um, head scratching again. The only thing I thought was head scratching was how late bananas went, but because of the the structure of the draft, that was by default. Um, nothing else really stood out as super uh, 
surprising in any stretch. How do you think John Nay getting picked first overall will impact her threat level? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. I was hope I was really hoping for her that Tori would go ahead of her just to keep that underdog label. But I again I even her being taken first, I didn't there wasn't a lot of like, oh, we obviously have to go after John A. It was more like John A being like, yeah, like I'm gonna underestimate me. I love that when she's like, yeah, underestimate me, I'm gonna come win and take your money. And there was no one else being so overly afraid of her. We didn't get any confessionals about that. So I still think Jenny's in a pretty in a pretty good spot, especially amongst uh, her her team. There's a lot of other hotheads that I feel like might go at each other that at least Johnny can take a step back from. Although maybe she, you know, creating situations for herself with her vote. But at least going into this spot, I didn't think it was it was too dangerous for her. Um yeah, I'm looking at the teams here. I mean I think Josh Josh getting bananas and Tiffany in his last two picks is just like the steal, one and two steal of a lifetime. Um, Desi is the team that I'm most concerned about, I think, because I really like the people that I know on the team. But West first overall, I'm like, I knew I liked Desi. She's a West girly. Now, I'll say this for all of the picks. I do wish we were getting a real-time confessional of all of the pre-gaming that happened that informed these picks. Because I don't believe that it's just like, oh, Desi's such a fan of the challenge. She picked Wes. I think Wes has been on the phone with her once a week before the season. Yeah, I think Wes saw a lot of her performance challenge USA. It was like, that's the person I need to be uh, having on my side. I won't I won't pull an Enzo. I'm going to be your ride or die and uh, keep it strong. But then I think Michaela as a second pick is very strange mm. to me when you can pick, you know, I don't know. Michelle seems to be persona non grata here, but I have to believe Michelle is a marginally better pick than Michaela based on just experience with the challenge. I do wonder if, um, obviously, so we get later that Janae says, tell was that West told her to stay away from Michelle. Don't do that. I wonder if West was chirping in Desi's ear during the draft. Like, all right, you pick me. Don't take Michelle. Don't take Michelle. And that steered her away from her. And Desi really didn't work with Alyssa on last season of the challenge of mm-hmm. the challenge USA. So maybe that's why she doesn't go there. So then I guess it's like Chanel, who's another survivor contestant. I mean, Michaela and Chanel, I, I don't think she needs to pick Chanel over Michaela. So then maybe it's like a, why not Tiffany here in your second pick, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm nitpicking. I just yeah. think her team seems very green and not just in the jerseys they're wearing. Right. The, the teams do kind of fit their all their energies. So I, I do think a lot of people ended up in their right color sphere. Um, the one thing I will say is as Team Red Flag assembled and you have Josh, Polly, and Bananas on the same team, all I can think of is like, thank God Devin is not on this cast. Like, I actually don't, mm. and I love Devin. I don't think I have a stomach for all of these egotistical men on the same season. Yeah. It's nice to take a break, at least for the short term. Would have been nice to have a break from Tori too, but you know, only get one. Something else very interesting to me is when we get Polly's intro, no mention of Kara, no pictures of them, no mm. update that they're still together after five years. Uh, we get an intro of Tyler, and immediately it's like, "I'm recently out of a relationship. My ex Angela, she was mm-hmm. on the last season." Here are some photos of us, but now we're broken up. Like, why do we need such a deep update on that? 
I mean, I mean we I, do need it, but we also need the polycara. I just felt like there was a stark contrast to when we're including relationship history and when we're not. Yeah, I, I think it would have been it would have been good to include the car. I think you have to show that Angela thinks just again Angela was such a huge part of USA One. Um, so I think it makes sense to show that, especially because she FaceTimed Tyler during that season too. So, but yeah, it would have been nice if they gave Kara uh, a shout out, especially since she's going to be on an upcoming season. So, uh, it would have been nice to have that too. Well, she's in the can of an upcoming season. How about that? Right. I don't know that she's going to be on any season. Right. That season never makes air. Right. Um, all right. Fair enough. So jo- the challenge. Then, yeah, but, okay. but uh, Josh. I mean, again, if you're doing the draft of who's going to give the toast, Josh is the one who gives the toast. Very short, but was, you know, took me aback. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that, like, that was, by the time you blink, the toast was very quick. Oh, yeah, Yeah. we just like, let's raise our glass challenge USA 2, let's do this. But still, I was very surprised that, you know, Bananas or even, like, a Wes or Pauly even didn't, like, uh, take over there. I was, um... Well, Josh taking over. I guess he's the captain. Wants to take charge. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing to say. Like, I don't want to acknowledge that because mm-hmm. it doesn't sit right with me, but it did happen. So it did happen. It did I happen. guess we have to recover it. Yep. I must have report it, but then I said recover. Ugh. It's been <laughs> a while, fam. So, yes, we go to the first daily of the season. First challenge of the season. Uh, Storm the Castle. Giving shades of Boston Robin Sandra. They have six statues of the great <laughs> challengers of this season. At first, when someone mentioned, like, oh, this, that statue looks like Wes, I think they said, um, I was like, oh, that's funny. I don't think it really looks like him of a char. And then apparently, you know, it was of Wes and it was of the other six uh, challengers as well. So for this challenge, they have to uh, carry the two statues each, um, eventually going through a couple of checkpoints and placing them on uh, platforms to, to win. If this was like fine to me. Um, it wasn't like a big standout, like wow, but it wasn't. I got a little bored, if I'm being honest, but it, it was like, it was a totally fine opening challenge. Um, I will say again, I'm just like tracking when I feel bad for Michelle. Like, Michelle just can't win where they're having just like the preliminary interview before the challenge with all eight of the team members, and Michelle's like, I think we're really like going to do great. We're all on the same page. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, we didn't even start yet. Like, we were right. like not even on the same page with her about saying they're on the same page. Yeah, it was giving really like Amber vibes of like she can't even hug someone properly. She can't even like just like cheer on her team properly. Um, yeah, poor Michelle there. And then I mean, which a is lot ironic because of- isn't Michelle the one that Amber hugs and she gets mad at her? <laughs> I think so. It might have been. <laughs> It might have been <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, easy joke setups about like the size of the statues matching the size of uh, Banana's ego. I think even Wes's ego took a shot. Um, a lot, a lot of easy jokes. Not Wes's jokes ego. Made. A lot of, and I think, oh, I think Tori brought up like, oh, that Fessel. Surprise that he's not the one who has a statue. A lot of, you know, keep all setups, but I'm glad the jokes were made. They had to be made. And that was funny too, because it's like, again, like, and even Fessel's like, you know, I came from Big Brother, but I've been on this many seasons of the challenge. I'm glad they're not really trying to like shoehorn these people in as like right. novices and like, you know, Tori making that joke and that making air was great. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say is it was very, very funny to me to have particularly Tori, John A, Bananas, and Wes, like their intros. I feel like it is how it has to feel like if you hear your kids like introduce themselves or something like to someone they don't know, like mm-hmm. 
bananas saying Key West like right. blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, that's so cute. Like you're really going back. <laughs> it's like if you're like at work at this point and you have to say like where you went to college. It feels like so long ago that that's like part of your story. But yeah, bananas in Key West, all the way back. Should should Wes have brought up that her him and uh, Kellyanne are no longer together, or him and Johanna <laughs> no longer together as well? Yeah. Last time you saw me, <laughs> last time you saw me, I was uh, hooking up with Johanna in uh, in Austin, but we're no longer together. Um. All right. What did you think of the challenge, though? Any higher I've, or lower on it than I am? No, it was good. It was enjoyable. I I, I don't remember if this was Paulie's last season or the season before, but this was very similar-ish to the final when Paulie basically died because he was trying to lift so much weight and they had like a cart that they had to carry and he was carrying the whole thing and it caused him basically to like pass out and give out. So I was I was hoping we would get a kind of a flashback to that because this was a little similar uh, to that, but we did not. Um, there's only good things in memory for Paulie, but I was hoping we would get that. But yeah, overall, it was very close, very exciting to be uh, a close daily. We don't typically have that. And poor Amanda... You know, Amanda, like, she's obviously not the strongest competitor, but she, it, you would think in like some mental components, she could show her worth. But if she's really going to bring her team down there, it's uh, not the best of looks for, for Amanda to start. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw this narrative the last time she was on, too. Like, didn't she keep getting like swapped teams? Yes. Um, I mean, do you buy that Amanda basically single-handedly lost this challenge for, for the green team? I think that's sort of the narrative we were shown. I mean, it seems like, I mean, I don't know about single-handedly. I don't know if they would have won anyway, but I mean, if you're in charge of like memorizing the keys um, or the, like the symbols and you don't really remember them at all, like not even like a little bit off, it seemed like she just had like no clue. Uh, it's hard not to put at least a lot of the blame on her. I mean, I think it was someone else. Was, I think Amira was supposed to be helping her as well. I don't know how much Amira remembered her section. It was all Amanda, but it seemed like it was mostly Amanda's section that they were screwing up on. So uh, Blue Wins, I agree with you that it was like exciting to see a close daily where they didn't have to edit it to make it look close, and it was just genuinely close. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tori, Cassie, Chris, Seabass, Alyssa. T- I'm calling Alyssa, Alyssa L and Alyssa 2 because I don't remember Alyssa's initial. Um, Corey and Chris are all safe. Well, which one's Alyssa too? Alyssa L, Alyssa, Alyssa, the original Alyssa from last season is Alyssa one. Bad Alyssa from Big Brother twenty four is Alyssa two. Oh, so so Cookout is Alyssa two. Like Cookout season. No, no. Alyssa Lopez from last season. Oh, from last season of USA. I'll be my last season of Big Brother. Okay. No, no. Al- bad Alyssa from Big Brother twenty four is Alyssa Got two. Got it. Okay. They need to just square off. That was very mean. I, I know it was like funny in the moment to put them on the same team. Bad job, Cassidy. Put them on separate teams. Um, all right. You mentioned you want to get discuss whether this is sort of a good format or a bad format. And I think, honestly, we haven't even seen one cycle of it play out, right? right. So Probably bear with sense. us, audience. But they're going to, the winning team nominates one man yeah. and one woman from the crop of losers. So either team. Yep. And then the losers and the losers alone, so the two losing teams, will cast balls using an old bank teller system and zoop it into the hopper. And the votes cast will go into the hopper and one ball will emerge. And if it is a man, then the man that was nominated by the winning team Mm -hmm. will go in and it will become a men's elimination day. And same for the women. Now, 
Do we expect that this is going to continue week to week or is just the man versus woman elimination day this week? So that was my first question. I, my, my assumption would be this is like an every other week thing where like this week it could be either a man or a woman going in. The next week it'll be whichever one did not go in this week. And then the week after that can go back to being either or. I think that's would make logical sense because otherwise, yeah, theoretically you'd just be willing that all the men or all the women and it'd be weird structure for the final. So I would think that it's going to be an every other week type thing. Was my first because instinct. I fully believe when Josh and Bananas get everyone together and are saying, like, let's really weaken the green team and get a man in, it's because they know they're not going in and they want to not be on the chopping block next week. Uh, that was my guess. Whereas Michaela is like, I want to save the woman who's nominated in Amira mm. and not necessarily thinking the next week, like a veteran would be thinking that that could mean a guaranteed women's elimination day next week. I, I, so for bananas and Josh, I, my thought was like, if they want to force a man to go in this week because they could be up for elimination next week. So like if you force them, a man's elimination here, then you're guaranteed safety next week with a women's elimination. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. That, I think that's what I said, but um Okay. Then yes. Then yes. Then that, then <laughs> that, like Michaela's not thinking of that. Michaela is thinking like I want to save Amira and is not realizing that if Amira gets saved and it's Monty versus Lewis, right, then she can go then she week. can go in next week. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um so yeah, so I yeah, I'm I'm slow. So there's a lot of steps to this, and there's a lot of like half measures or even like you know, 114th measures, even with like some of the votes. The first thing I do like the secret vote. I think that's great to bring back because that's, you know, very survivor big brother, but that's like their structure of the game. It's, it's more of a secret vote. So I do appreciate that. And I like that aspect of it. So there's no, uh, uh, ganging up open forum type situation. I just, I worry how much of it is chance. I, I don't like that. There's so many options to pick from. I wish, there was like a losing team and you had to just focus on one team then just like everyone else. I don't know. It's, it feels like there's a lot of things up in the air, a lot of balls in the air, literally. Hmm. I mean, I, my first instinct is to hate everything new. So I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. And then I'm like, mm, I'm kombucha girl. Then I'm like, okay. Um, I like, again, the secret vote. It's like any, game that Jordan Kalish has ever made me play where people try to coordinate in voting and it's a secret vote. I'm never voting the way someone tells me. Like, mm-hmm. I like John A here. I like the chaos where you can just throw one ball in and maybe that ball can come up and be a saving grace and Amanda gets revenge on the whole house. Like, isn't that just the chance of that Sure. so exciting? Imagine if we had a mechanism like that on World Championship where people were voting themselves in to burn votes. Yeah. Um, no burning votes, which is good. I also, I get what you're saying about the size of the pool, but I do think it means that we can have this sort of mechanism for a longer time because if it was just one team, like that teams can be decimated in like yes, one week. Plus. I thought about uh, that too. Yes, that's good. But I, I still think we have to see a few weeks. You know, the advantage of being podcasters and not game designers is we could say, Mm-hmm. Let's see how it plays out, and then we'll make yep. our determinations. I do appreciate them trying something new. Like this is very much like a new format for the show. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll always 
veer on the side of appreciating shows like this, trying something new rather than just going back to the well so many times or something. So I'll give them credit. Like this is a different type of thing. Like, I mean, the closest comparison, I think this was on either invasion or something where they had like whoever, whoever you voted for, like they could vote for you as your opponent in the elimination. This is like the closest ish to that where like the votes cast and bounce back sort of type thing. But it is with the hopper and thing. It's it's a new thing, so I appreciate them, you know, using like the Challenge USA as like a ecosystem to maybe bring things over to Challenge proper if they like it. The only thing I do worry about is like once you see like anyone can get picked, is that going to actually incentivize people to just join a mass group and like you know. I don't want to throw rogue votes. I want to have like the odds in my favor in case someone throws a rogue vote at me. Um, Or like, does it deter a plucky minority from getting together to overthrow a larger alliance and then being thwarted because they can't overcome a seven, six majority in the hopper? You know, like Mm. if if we get someone to swing their vote like John A., Mm-hmm. And we get nothing because of it. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. I think this actually is one of those weird twists that does help the minority group, right? Because let's say if there's like a group of like nine people against three, right? Like the group of nine might, if they're not sure who to vote, can split if they did like a five and a four on two different people and then like the three on one. Normally that three would just go to waste and they'd be screwed. At least now they have a chance to like pull out a lucky ball and win. It, normally in a majority situation they just have no chance they just get steamrolled the bigger group could just out majority them and there's you know there's no chance but here at least the the minority can form like a little bit of a coalition and boost their odds a little bit so it it does add a little bit more credence to the to the you can't really steamroll your way through this completely well that's i mean yeah that exact scenario though is like are those three people really instead of just throwing their balls in and taking the shot more incentivized to jump in with the majority and, and take more vote, like to vote with the majority and say, I'd rather put more balls on the other person because I can't flip enough people here. Like, does it actually change that? Whereas well, see, sure. an Amanda or John a or like a rogue voter, 100%. And it's just really time will tell, but it's not yeah. like they have any certainty with like, if we flip a West or like a rogue agent to vote with us, it might not even matter to them, but it's secret voting. So maybe right. people are more incentivized to flip and take the chance. And theoretically, if you're like a group of even two and you're trying to boost your odds, you voting for your opponent or a random person from the other majority, like it doesn't, it doesn't help your chances of being pulled. It's like the same chances. Cause if your ball is pulled, whether it's for your partner or, you know, a totally other person, you're safe no matter what. So, you might as well toss it to someone who's going after you anyway. Like, yeah. I guess I, I was just odds. thinking if you make a deal, like I'll vote with you if those votes go on the other person. Right. Instead of all on you. Sure, sure, sure. That's that's something that can happen. But yeah, but then it's, you know, it's a, it's a secret ballot. So you can do that and, you know, screw them over if you want. But it's, and it's the incentive to do that, I think the incentive to be a rogue army of one or two is greater here than on a Big Brother or on a Survivor because if you stick with your guns and you're like a Jen Michelle and you just like ride it to the end and have no chance to win, not no chance, but like, but you're going to like upset the majority or do your own thing. 
your likelihood of getting called back versus someone who just kind of goes with the majority is much higher. So it's not, right. you're incentivized to do that sort of outside of the game, which can help uh, mm-hmm. the viewers in the game. Yeah. And also, I think there's enough different groups and pockets within these teams that I don't see some super large group coming together. I think there's between like the group of Survivor, the group of Big Brother, the group of like sort of challenged CBS, the group of just challenged. Like there's so many different pockets. And so I don't see that large of a group coming together even here when they were seemingly had a target at most there was four votes to a person and there was only a couple people so i i'd be hard pressed to see there being like 12 votes all on one person um i I, that doesn't seem to be very viably likely to come to fruition no and if it was going to happen i mean we have reason to believe it the first episode is the most likely time for just like a big group to vote together and votes are all over the place but before we get to the votes Let's talk about, I guess, the masterclass put on by Tori and Corey. And I'm curious to know from you, like, how, how much credit do Tori and Corey deserve? And how much of this do you think was, like, also in Cassidy's interest? Or do you think she got, she and the rest of the team got steamrolled? So I, I could see a scenario where it's in Cassidy's interest, but this was definitely Corey and Tori just, and this is where the open forum just, steamroll process that you can see it play out if they were doing this in the other votes as well because once you get a couple names out there uh, people just want for just to go along with the group and just be looked at as a team player would we'll just hop right on board with it so the fact that Corey and Tori were able to get those two names right out in front um, it was very hard to get any other traction anywhere else especially because it's so many people that you could pick from like they, they were choosing from 16 people so the fact that Corey and Tori were able to narrow down to two right off the bat that they were like let's just do these two people it'd be so hard to get people to jump on board of your other couple names when there's so many different choices to pick from so it's a lot easier just to go with the two names that they had kind of rolling from there my only concern for tori and Corey here my only demerit i would say of like an otherwise very well played nomination discussion is like did they come out of the gate too strong and did they waste the social capital? Like, did Tori and Corey really need to take such obvious command of the conversation to get these two or replacement level uh, nominations of Amira and Lewis nominated? Like, was anybody, was the conversation really going to go to taking out one of the vets at this point in the competition? It probably is not worth it, but for Tori, she's coming off a season where. You know, she was able to stick to her guns and stick to her people all the way through without really any big blowback on her part as some like, you know, mental trauma, I guess. But like the game wise, like she was able to play it out all the way to the end. And previously from that, she won the season. So for her, it's like she probably feels a little bit invincible that she can just kind of do what she wants and not really face any personal repercussions. So why at what point? Why stray so early? Like, you know what? Do what you're doing in the last couple of seasons. It's working for you. So just keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I believe you, or I agree with you that that's probably how Tori views her last season working with Danny, but I I think that's a shame. Like, I think the lesson that she should have taken away was like, don't alienate the members of your own team so soon. But uh, especially with the voting mechanism, like when she's not safe, her own teammates could stage a coup with the rest of the Big Brother players. But I just think Tori and Corey could have made gotten the same result. like. Like Fessel did, like gotten the same result 
by taking more of a backseat mm-hmm. and just kind of adding suggestions where necessary. Because the two Alyssas were never going to get their agenda off the ground. I just don't think in this group. And I think Cassidy coming out strong probably would have targeted the same people. Or at least that's what it seemed like they were aligned. And maybe Tori didn't need to and Corey didn't need to sort of show their hand immediately and take charge but the risk is you know if you don't then the wind blows a different way and now you're in trouble yeah especially for the amira side of it i think getting everyone again that's why i thought it was good for josh to have dusty on his side like that get everyone to vote for Luis. probably was no one's going to be feel too worried about voting for the one of the two amazing race people you know you're only feeling with the blowback of just one other person that would probably have his back it's very easy to do so for amira she's coming in with a few more people from her show there's you don't know what other friends she might have outside of it so I think they could have played a little bit more cautious there and let, you know, if people were so gun ho on keeping Amira, maybe taking a, a step back from that vote, you know, getting the Luis vote, getting that one turned around, no problem, and kind of letting the girl vote play out a little bit more uh, orga- organically. Now, it's funny. You said Luis, and now I thought when it was Luis when Rob introduced him, but he said Luis. And oh, I okay, think Lewis. they said Luis when they introduced it, but Corey said Luis, which to me was either Corey's taken more time to really get to know him and has like had a conversation about pronunciation that maybe other people haven't, or he wasn't around long enough for Corey to get the pronunciation of his name. And he read it off a sheet and it's L-U-I-S, <laughs> which I think most people would pronounce Louise. Yes. So maybe we'll get more information at least next week on the pronunciation. Yes. Hold on, I'm actually watching a U- an amazing race clip. Uh, they just said their team. They didn't say their names. Okay. Anyway, I could do mm. this on my own time. Well, we'll see you on Sunday. Oh God, Sunday. <laughs> um. All right. So good. Shout out to the vets. Good job. They got their point across. Do you think this is what they should have done? Do you think this was a smart player? Should they have taken bigger swings? No, I think if you're the vets, I think it makes complete sense to want to try to like keep the stigma of let's not vote vets in. I think we've seen that type of thing in other seasons where it's like, you know, when it's like a larger group of vets, the stigma is like, Oh, don't vote for a vet. We're only voting for the rookies here. It's like, there's only six of us. Um, It makes it very easy for other people to target you. So uh, I think it makes sense to try to hope the, the others, other, you know, challenge vets want to do it. The only problem is Wes is one of the other, you know, four on the other side and Wes is not that type of player. Like Corey's banking on Wes's allegiance. And I'm sure that won't go horribly wrong because I'm sure Wes is the type of person that would actually go right after one of the vets, although it might not be Corey himself, but at the bank on Wes's, uh, you know, Wes's allegiance is not usually the right move. <laughs> why, why Louise here is my question. Like, yes, it's the easy move, but like, you already have such dominance and, and clearly the survivor people are with you. So like, why not hit Omonte here? I mean, eventually it probably doesn't make any difference in terms of like nominations, but I just think like, it's such low hanging fruit to hit the amazing race people. And if I'm Tori, I'm like, I could pick up Dusty and Louise and the veteran side and I'm going to need those numbers. And I want to start mm-hmm. chipping away at the bigger shows that have more of a reason to get together and big brother and survivor. But again, nitpicking negative nitpicking as opposed mm-hmm. to the positive nitpicking I've been doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm Especially on the challenge. I'm always okay playing it safe on the first vote, just because 
even as they're explaining the rules, you don't really know how anything on this show is going to play out until you let an entire cycle play out. So let like the first vote, the first elimination, see like what the mechanism for elimination might be. Let's just get all the information you could possibly have because the challenge is not very keen on giving you all the information. So see what it all is and then kind of then you can start being a little bit more creative with your votes. And then in the meantime, for the first vote, I, I'm okay with always in the, on the challenge, the first vote being as safe as possible. Uh, switching gears uh, for a second. I just want to take a moment out of our podcast to say, I don't believe that Michelle deserves the reputation that she seems to be building around this house. Particularly, I don't think she deserves to be the person that Wes is calling people about and poisoning the well on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't have the best track record of being a staunch Michelle defender and survivor or the challenge podcast, but you know, color me confused because she's had some, I would say sloppy gameplay in her time in the challenge, but in that way, like better the devil, you know, like, I don't know that she's re- ever really like achieved some like double-sided snaky stuff and if the warning is she's an emotional player it's like great then i will hear her coming yeah i feel like she's kind of getting a little like she was obviously worked with jay a lot her last season and jay was had that reputation of being sloppy and messy and that played out a little bit more on his season there was the obviously the drama with laurel but i mean a lot of people get into fights with laurel so michelle's not the only one so it is odd that michelle has this stigma to her because it's it's so contrary obviously to like her survivor game where she's so built on like her social bonds and friendships and people wanting to work with her so it is so bizarre to see her in in the challenge world basically being treated as like the social pariah where it was the complete opposite during survivor yeah i i don't i i really don't get it like i i understand it's like sort of hard to recover from a certain reputation on the challenge but i think the you know the fact that Amanda and this is like so obvious doesn't need to be said but like the fact that Amanda's issue is with Michelle and she like at least to this point doesn't have a communicated issue ongoing issue with Vessel is tired and like I think she catches a lot of the flack for a lot of stuff now I really did blame her for a lot of the missteps last season with Jay I think she had the wrong read where Jay had the right read more frequently but uh, I don't think she deserves the the shit she's getting here and we've seen a lot of people take a lot of chances on Devin's and Josh's want to talk about warning about an emotional player let's warn about Josh you know Seriously. like I, I don't get it Polly Polly who yeah. like wasn't allowed back or didn't want to come back or like whatever like and you like and and we're warning about Michelle I I Paul, hope she's able to make up some ground here but I don't Paul, know Polly literally said to Josh it depends how I feel. Yeah. About how he's going to vote. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if Michelle's going to become very similar to like the Amber storyline where we're like, what are we now missing? Like I was mm-hmm. never her biggest fan of her gameplay, but like, what am I missing about why she is like public enemy number one? Yeah. The best thing she could do at this point is just like maybe prove herself in the in the in the dailies as like someone that on their team they at least want. So you it, you know the call is not going to come from inside the house at least at least start from there. Mm. <laughs> I can tell that to John A. Um, I, I have a question about the secret vote, and I know the answer is going to be, but I'm going to throw it out there. Um, 
Should the balls be in the hopper? And I don't know if it's as they come out or as they get counted on the screen, be color coded by team. Uh, no, I don't think so. Let them well, figure it out for themselves. Let's sit here and talk about it for a second. Like, right. Why in I? theory, if the green team and the red team each had a defector swap, no one would be the wiser. Mm-hmm. Is it added drama for the viewing audience if you're revealed sort of what team voted for whom? Uh, I, uh, I guess, yeah, in that scenario, it would be better, but we... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I honestly, I didn't even think about that, about the color coding with the balls, but I would rather, like, have the people on the show who catch that pay attention more, like, gain that information. Like, I don't know. Do you think everyone realized that there was a, someone that flipped and there was nine votes for red and seven votes for, for green? I don't, like, do, you, do you think everyone knew that? I, I, do I hope that a group of experienced player like now if it was all new people would i expect them to catch that everyone who's played any of these games including the amazing race do i think they should have done a little quick math yes um but but fair enough i I don't even think it should be i'm just like throwing it out there what i do think there should be and this is just visual is like the player who's voted in when they're selecting the ball to put through the bank teller like zippy do should be the color of the team they're on why are like they all when yellow? They're yeah, like if yeah. I'm picking John A, that ball, John A's ball should be red. Now, maybe that suggests the teams are going to switch up more frequently, and that's why mm. all the balls are yellow, or it's right. going to go to. I mean, obviously, it's going to go to some sort of individual situation, but. And I, I, and I think it would be nice for, from a viewer perspective if they popped up a graphic that just we could see of who actually did vote for everyone. I think it would be just interesting to see who were the people that voted for Monty, who were the. People that vote, who's the one person that voted for Desi? I don't know. Just to see who voted for who, I think it'd be interesting to track uh, along the season. Definitely uh, agree. Um, oh, well, that's one other thing. Speaking of tracking, so when TJ announced the the format of like five, you're going to be on th- the game will be played here. I wrote it down because I was like, I need to do analysis because like mm. towards the end we're gonna. We talked about this offline, but this is definitely one of the things we would reference like later and be like, well, what did TJ say when he explained it? Um, TJ said, quote, this season, and then there was a cut. Like you could see him saying the season. And, you know, I'm not sure if that was in post. Is going to be played in teams. So we're never sure if he's like, I'm going to put you into teams, but he didn't say anything about the season. You know, in general, that doesn't mean anything. And then purely in voiceover, we did not see TJ saying this. He said one man and one woman will take home $250,000 mm-hmm. each. However, John A did say in a confessional that she knows that the teams will have to be individual at some point because she's aware that only one man and one woman will win the $500,000. Now, she's saying that in confessional is that after the season aired and they're asking her to go back and say it. Or are these players operating knowing the eventual eventual mm-hmm. end structure of the season? Yeah, I hope they were told like the clear structure and that that wasn't just all voiceover. I mean, it'd be a lot better. Uh, but yeah, I, I would be much more pro 
giving them all the rules. So hopefully they know the teams are going to come apart, at least at the final, maybe beforehand. And and just so that, uh, and also we've seen team like it could be that it's like still teams, but no, that wouldn't really work. Um, I mean, they've done teams all the way through, like in the, obviously other challenge normal seasons, like they would just have like whoever's on your team to the end, like that's who you run the final with, and then you split the prize money amongst your team. Like that has happened before, so it is in terms of like newer challenge, it's normal to do that. But if you look back five years ago, like the structure normally was like whoever you're with is just who you're with to the final. And I just want to clarify for any new listeners or viewers of the challenge. I'm only speculating this because it's very rare that the contestants, at least to our knowledge, know the full format and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like say goodbye to fairness. Normally in like a survivor, big brother, you wouldn't have to speculate of like, do you think the players at the beginning know that it's going to be a, uh, well, I guess in fairness to survivor, they didn't always know if it's going to be a final two or a final three. But uh, mm-hmm. here it would be plausible that they would think it's teams completely until the end and then it would switch. But right. we're at least led to believe this episode that they are aware that the format will shift. Yes. Like, remember the outrage when, like, fire making was dropped on randomly? Like, that's usually what happens every challenge. <laughs> With less outrage. Right. Um, all right. But let's get to the vote getters. I mean. The the votes we know that were cast, I think uh, Amira voted for bananas, which like go off queen. Mm-hmm. Um, Michaela walking into the room saying all these people are liars just absolutely made me laugh. Um, Amanda votes for Michelle Petty. Josh votes for Monty. Bananas votes for Monty, and Janae votes for Michelle on her own team. Mm-hmm. I yep. assume you have the rundown of the uh, vote getters. Yeah, two. I have two for Wes, two for Dusty, one for Desi, three Michelle, four Monty, four Bananas. Who is voting for Des for Desi? That's the question. one vote I can't understand. It's a good question. So obviously it would be someone from Red. So it's either Cassidy, Corey, Tori, Fessy, Alyssa's, Sebas, or Chris. I. I would think in my head it would be one of the women wanting to knock out Desi so they don't have to go up against her would be like this the smart thinking. So maybe it was someone like a Cassidy. Um or No, but the they Alyssa's. don't vote. I bet sorry, one of the one of the red girls wanted to knock out Desi. So it wasn't John A. So you think it was Michelle or Tiffany or Chanel? Yeah, I think I mean Tiffany. Like that would be a very Tiffany move. I feel like, right? Like, think her thinking ahead. Like, oh, I don't want to go up against Desi in elimination or final. Let's vote her out. I mean, it would just it would ex- certainly explain why Desi didn't pick Tiffany in the Michaela spot because <laughs> that's like crazy. Um, or or even Dusty, just like having no idea what to do. Well, it could be. Th- yeah, maybe Dusty wanted to like make sure he threw a vote on a women, so that way to boost Louis's uh, Louise's odds of staying. Because I don't think Michelle would vote alone. I feel like I believe that she would vote, try to vote with like either the Bananas or the Monty, who's not on her team. I can't even remember. Right. Um, because there I guess were, Monty. It was 12, 12 men got votes, only four women, or four votes were for women. So more of the votes were for men. Yeah, I could see Michelle voting for Monty. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would love to, they should flash that screen up. Come on. Yeah. It uh, would make our job easier. It would take three seconds. Quick screen grab. 
I'll say this. If Luis goes home next week, he did not get one smidge of airtime. Was he was he the firefighter? Of the amazing race? They gave a package. I couldn't remember if it was, was for him or Dusty, the firefighter. I think it's him. Okay. So he got a quick, very quick uh snippet of being a firefighter. But uh not enough <laughs> to go no. home next week no. at the end. Although no one really got that much. I mean, it's not like Monty um like got a lot of bananas. Like, I mean, none of these like people that got boats really got that much that would like justify it. No, we didn't even really get Amira or Luis's reaction to being nominated. Like you right. think they'd at least get a little bit of strategy or whatever. We did at least get Amira casting her vote. That's true. We got that. <laughs> uh, not a lot. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. it. This is going way back, but it was funny to hear Chris call out this is his first team win ever. Kind of forgot about that from his season of of Survivor. Because then he did like win some immunities by himself, but for team wins, his first win. Kind of forgot about it. There's no point in my life, including while that season was airing, that I would have known that at the time. I didn't know (laughs) it to forget it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. So so TBD, it's a little troublesome that we're already off schedule. Um, It makes sense. Maybe they're going to be a little bit off kilter for the first few weeks while they're doing these double episodes until the once a week cycle hits, but we might be ending these first few weeks episodes on some random points. Uh, so that's going to be a little frustrating. Terrible. Yep. That's it. That's the premiere. I'm excited for the rest of the season. Like a yeah. Season a lot of open questions to see how things uh, pop out. You can subscribe at robhiswebsite.com slash challenge feed. You can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at Cohen Bryan underscore. And they could follow you. At last tweets. Get your questions in, get going your on. reviews in. Oh, but I think you have you have other podcast stuff going on. I have nothing else going on. Yeah. Uh NGOG coming out this week also. Came out last week. Coming out came out this week. Uh I should say. Um, anchor.fm slash new girl old guy which is like now it's Spotify for podcasts but that link will mm. still work Um, you could it'll be linked at last tweets will not be linked at Keeve26 uh, co-host Keeve Winnegar. Um, get your questions in let's have a conversation this season that was a weird thing to say but let's do it Um, and start our season off strong if you uh like the podcast you like the preview leave us a review yes. uh and itunes are on spotify apple podcast also, i'm a hundred years old maybe an email address coming soon yeah let us know via the google doc if you would prefer to use an email instead of the google doc yeah um That's it? and then well nope. we're gonna we might be popping in to talk about big brother in a crossover yeah. edition that's also something you have going on that you it's in the it's in the multiverse hopper a crossover of references there. How about that? Sounds good. <laughs> All right. We'll be back for episode two. Until then, have a good one. <laughs>